0: Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Hey friends, it's Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, professor, author, and mom of four, and wow, do I have a very... Special guest with me today. Today I have Shelby Peck. Now you may be wondering, did I just say Shelby Peck and your name is Jessica Peck? Is there any relation? Well, yes, there is. Shelby is my oldest daughter. So you are getting an inside view of behind closed doors today. Shelby is a student at Baylor University. She is a journalism and religion major and she writes for the Baylor Lariat, which is the school newspaper. But Most importantly, she is my daughter, and she is the star of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We have mutually agreed that I can disclose that she was the child, in fact, who threw a book at my head while we were driving, so we have come a long way. She is an incredibly amazing person, an all-around wonderful human being, and I am really blessed to learn from her. Every single day. Now, listen, this is a true story. When she was first preparing to go off to college, my husband one day we were standing in the kitchen and he got very emotional. And he looked at me and he said, How am I going to survive when she leaves? And I said, Honey, we are going to figure it out. She's ready, she will be okay. And he said, No literally, how am I going to survive? Because she cooks for me all the time. Like, what am I going to eat? (laughs) Because she's always making us little treats and cooking or baking or just her spiritual gift is hospitality. So she always makes us feel at home. And speaking of being at home, welcome home to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, Shelby. We are so glad to have you on here. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) We're so happy to have you. Well, listen, what I want to talk to you about today is there are a lot of parents out there who are getting ready to take their kid to college. Now, that may be their first one, like we took you, or it may be a younger sibling down the road, and maybe we've learned a thing or two uh, as time has gone on. But you have really navigated that transition well, and it's taken us a long time to get there, right? Like it's been, um, it's been. we've worked on a relationship intentionally really since you were 13, which I, I talk about in the book. But why don't you talk about what that was like? Let's just start off. Let's go to that moment. You're a freshman. I am dropping you off for the very first time. And remember, I went to community college. I have no idea what this feels like. What did you feel? What were the emotions? Take us through that that day and that process and how you were feeling.
1: Sure. Um, well, that was two years ago now. And going to college is just, I don't know. People tell you about it, but they can never fully give you what the experience is like. You just have to live it yourself. Because um, there's something about your family just literally dropping you off hours away with a credit card and maybe some ibuprofen and saying, <laughs> good luck, you got this. Um, and so it's definitely... While it's super exciting and you're excited for all the friends you can make and just the newfound independence is honestly incredible. And I love being able to just make my own schedule and, you know, pick whatever I want for dinner. And if my friends want to go to Bucky's at 10 p.m., we can just go. Um, But no one really prepares you for how lonely it is. And you're really creating a new life for yourself, um, a new separate life, I think, away from home because the two... Are pretty hard combined. combine, and so you're just—it's overwhelming. I'd say.
0: Well, and for those of you who may not be from Texas or where there is a Bucky's, Bucky's is, by the way, the most amazing gas station in the entire world, where you can pretty much Christmas shop and grocery shop and get gas and just anything else you can imagine. Yep. So, yep, yeah, that's a pretty fun happening place yeah. to go. But you're right. It. It was such a struggle. And I think that one of the things I struggled with was even though we had worked on our relationship and I felt pretty good about where we were when you went to college, it brought back a lot of insecurities for me, honestly, thinking, what is this going to be like? Is she going to need me? Is she going to not need me? You know, and, and then as a parent, I'm kind of thinking, if you don't need me, that's good, right? Because I've raised you to be independent, but oh my gosh, what do I do with the fact that you don't need me. So can you talk through some of those kinds of things that might be helpful for parents to understand your perspective or a college student's perspective when we're looking at things from our perspective?
1: Yeah. Um. Again, it's just weird that your family's at home and you're not, and you know their routine, but they don't know your new one. And so just trying to share that with them. And, you know, college, there's not really like a set schedule. So sometimes it's hard to be as available as you feel your parents want you to be. And again, you, they're your parents, so please call them. I'm not <laughs> saying don't, but at the same time, um, parents should understand that not everything is as, um, I guess routine as it was in high school. You know, you're not at school from eight to three and then have sports practice and you come over for dinner. Um, it can be lots of different things cause you're trying to manage classes and making friends and all these things. Um, so yeah, just make time to call one another, but also give each other grace and space um, when things might not always look the same from week, week to week basis. And also understand that when you do call each other, it's hard um, because, you know, from my perspective at school, I'm the only one on that side of the phone. So sometimes when there's conflict, you can easily feel alone or you can easily feel like, you know, in your head, you tell yourself your family's against you because they're all together and they're all, you know, having this problem with you that you're on the other side of the phone. And you're like, I can't do anything. I can't hug you. I can't. You know, be on my couch and watch a movie or see my talk. You know, you're like, I'm in an eight by twelve center block building and <laughs> our dorm room, and um I have an exam tomorrow. So I think it's just a lot of space for learning and knowing things won't. The transition's not just going to be a clean jump. um It'll be hard sometimes, but it's worth it's worth pursuing a peaceful transition and a new routine
0: well, you told me something really important, I think, because when we first came to visit you, it's just kind of awkward, right? You know, just figuring out like, oh, those are your friends and here's your family and now your two worlds are colliding and this is weird. And as, as your parents, you know, we can feel like, oh, you don't want to be around us. You're embarrassed of us. You know, you don't prioritize us. And and this negative narrative starts to ramp itself up in your mind, you know, and it's just such a path of destruction, But you really blew my mind, honestly, when you came home and you explained your perspective about protecting your stability there. So talk our listeners through that, because I think that was really helpful.
1: Yeah, um, I guess it's just the thing where you know that, home. well, I hope that you feel your home is a safe space. And if you're not, then I'm very sorry about that. But for me, for the perspective, I thought home was—I know home is safe, and I know that my family knows who I truly am, and that they'll accept me on my good days and bad. And when you go to college, I mean, I only had one person from my class go um, to or to Baylor where I attend college, and so you're just starting over, and you're so scared because you can really tell people anything you want, which sounds really scary. (laughs) But you can kind of create yourself over again if you want. Is that something you're looking to do? And so, um, you know, whenever your family comes especially when the, within the first few months of beginning school and you're still trying to find your place. It's hard because you know that you're safe with them, but you don't feel safe at school. And so it almost, you know, and this could be, I mean, this is, you know, not the perfect um, pattern of choices to make, but your family almost becomes just this um, safe place that you can go to. And so you're like, you know what, I don't need to give them my full attention right now I don't need to be their personal escorts around campus all day because I know they'll be there for me. I need to focus on, you know, who I am here and who I'm trying to meet. And um, I think that's just the natural progression of thought you have whenever you're, you know, especially for me as a pathological people pleaser. I'm like, (laughs) who do I want to be here? And um, so, yeah, that's just kind of what happens. And it's hard definitely at first. But then as you get more comfortable and settled, then you're like, okay, I I can be both of these people. And you can kind (laughs) of merge college and home a bit more.
0: And thinking that you could, you know, we are going to be there. We are your mm-hmm. family, but your new friend group, you haven't yet experienced a lot of conflict yet. And so you're scared to upset that apple cart. So you don't want to tell them, oh, I'm not going to come with you because then what if there's conflict? And then what if I don't have a place? And then what if I don't have community? And what if I'm really alone and really scared because y'all are about to go home? And I think I think that was just a really helpful perspective shift for me because it wasn't about you not wanting me to be there it was about you knowing I would be there Mm -hmm. now okay so let me ask you a really practical question because parents I know struggle with this how much is too much to call or text and how much is not enough like where is the balance in that and where did you find help in communicating through that
1: Man, that's a tough question. I don't think there's one answer. It's like, okay, call each other three times a week. Darn, I really would sorry. like for
0: you to do that. Can you can you please so do sorry. that? Even in going back this fall, I w- I would like that. I'm,
1: I'm just so sorry, <laughs> but again, like it really just is a week to week thing because I know during finals, um, I need a little bit more space because I know that you care about my grades too, which I'm really grateful for. And so I know if you're like, okay, if you're studying, then I'm gonna help you do that by not, you know, calling you all the time. But also, you're my mom, and I want to talk to you, um. So I'm so sorry to say there's not really a set answer, but I definitely think there is too little because there are days that I have a really bad day and I just expect my mom to kind of telepathic or <laughs> yeah, I telepathically know that. And be like, oh, I know I haven't talked to her today, but I think she knows that I'm having a bad day. You know, you can't expect them to do that. So if you're having a bad day, if you're having a good day, be honest with each other and not be like, hey, I want to call. um Call your family just because, because um, even if you only have 10 minutes while you're walking to class, that's a really good time. So I found to call my family. Um, oh man, now I've lost my train of thought. But um, yes, I would say that, <laughs> sorry, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying because it's a messy thing and I don't always know what I'm doing. <laughs> but make sure to call often. Um, oh, I was going to say that there's definitely too little where you don't talk to each other and you kind of expect to know each other's needs and how your day and your mood forecast. And there's definitely too much where, you know, if my mom texts me all the time, like, oh, I miss you, I want you to be here. Um, you know, just come home already. That's also not fair, I feel like, to either of you, because, you know, it's placing, there's nothing I can do. I know she wants me to be at school and be happy. And so if, you know, if your parents texting you all the time, like, I miss you, just come home now. (laughs) You can't do anything about that. I'm like, what do you expect me to do? No, that's, you know, that's not how, I think we found a good balance in that. Um, To be
0: fair, I have vacillated across both ends of the spectrum, and I've been guilty of both of those things probably and trying to figure it out. But I appreciate you giving me grace and space, you know, to do that. And and for the parents out there listening, one thing that I have found really helpful is, you know, when Shelby will ask me to pray for her, instead of just saying, Yeah, okay, I'll pray for you today, I just stop what I'm doing right now. I hit that little microphone button on my phone and I send a prayer right then. And I just pray for her. Now to be honest shelby you know you don't always have the time to say oh mother thank you so much for that beautiful prayer it really changed my day it was wise it was i mean no <laughs> but what i get back from you is shelby saved a message from you and that means everything to me i really really love that now shelby you had as most kids do a pretty trying and tumultuous junior high period and you know, where you experienced a lot of mean girl culture and bullying and just things that are very common, struggles that are very common. But I think that, you know, really um, kind of framed your spiritual walk and the challenges that you faced. And as you've gone to college, one of the things you've done really, really well is manage that spiritual transition and made your faith your faith—it's not ours anymore. You don't come to church because we're making you come to church, or you're just coming to church with us. You found your own spiritual life there, so share with us how did that happen? Talk to the parents through that, how to coach their kids, and talk to any college kids who are listening. Like, what is the importance of that in your college health?
1: Yeah. Um, well, Baylor is a very uh, Christian culture, I'd say, and so when I got there, it was really easy, you know my neighbors who are now my roommates um, from my freshman year door, like knocked on my door and were like, okay, we're going to church. You want to come with us? And I went to this um, Christian retreat, like the first weekend of school. Um, And so I think it was really easy just to get plugged in. And also because those habits were built at home. But I would say that as time went on, it became a lot easier to kind of like, okay, well, I have a bunch of tests this week, so I don't know if I can go to church tomorrow. There's kind of feel that, um, that initial like spiritual vigor just kind of wear out. And so I think that the habits built from home are what kept me there and, um, kept me wanting to go to church. Not because, you know, I'm not going to lie, not every Sunday I want to, but I know I need to. And, um, I think that just learning those habits at home and just having the accountability for my family, like when I went to Waco, you know, they were okay. Like I got to go to different, I know I tried out different churches and I think getting involved quickly is really important. Um, But, you know, my parents trusted me to choose where I want to go. And so now, you know, I'm involved in life groups there and greeting, and youth. and um, I don't know. It's just one of the biggest blessings in college. And so I think just continuing to encourage your kids about that and um, just really starting that before they leave, it makes the transition a lot easier. Um, And I think that sometimes community is really, um, I guess— Inconsistent consistent in college, you'd never know if you're going to really have someone to hang out with. But finding community through a church is consistent, and that's something you can count on with having a life group. I know every Wednesday night, I'm going to meet with them, and we're going to pray together, and I'll be encouraged. Um, and so I think it's been really vital to my success at school.
0: And so what would you say to your peers who are listening, who are thinking— yeah, sure. I'll go to church, and maybe they get there and they think, ah, oh, maybe I won't, or they think, I don't know, maybe this will be the first time I don't go to church. How? Mm-hmm. What would you say to
1: them? Yeah, I would say join a life group, and if there's not, if you can't find a church that, that has life groups, which I think is a very difficult task to do, <laughs> then start your own um, because that will just keep you really accountable. You know, um, I go to a larger church, and so if I go, like, you know, I don't really know who's going to notice if I'm there or not, but I know my life group will, and I know that when we gather and meet and talk about what we learned, um, if I wasn't there, you know, you can tell. And that's not to be like a legalistic accountability, but just because they truly want to help you grow because they're in the same spot as you. You know, there are other college students who are trying to figure it out. And that's been one of the biggest blessings is that, um, you know, a girl in my life group will just share something she's struggling with. And then lo and behold, three, <laughs> others, three others of them are struggling with the same thing. And so it's just, I think that's been... I don't know. That's just an incredible time. And, you know, it's not always like we just sit and pray and we're very serious. Uh, there's definitely those moments. But we also go do fun things like get, you know, ice cream or, you know, we've gone to um, athletic events together and just, I don't know, find a life group is my biggest thing. And then surf somewhere. So what,
0: what, what's the biggest thing that you've learned about God oh in your two years at college? Like, How has your college experience changed your faith? What have you learned?
1: Oh, wow. That's a really deep question. It is. Um, And my faith definitely depends on the seasons. You know, it it ebbs and flows. And I think the biggest thing in that is that God is not afraid of our doubts. He's not afraid of our imperfections. That's us who's afraid of those things. And so just knowing that He remains consistent and faithful. um, Because, you know, it's college. Like, we're inevitably going to mess up sometimes. And I've messed up plenty of times. But just knowing that the Lord is still there and that His plans for me aren't changed by what I do. That's just been really encouraging. And I keep going back to the verses, like, I believe, help my unbelief, whether that's something about God, about myself. It's like, I want to believe, and I know that the Lord knows that, and He honors that. Um, and so when I can't, just letting Him kind of take over and lead has been good.
0: So what's your favorite go-to scripture?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't even know. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I love the verse. I think it's Psalm 8411. It's like, the I learned, this is the one that my parents gave me a lot growing up, so I think that's helped. Um, but it's like the Lord is a sun and a shield and no good thing to see hold withhold from those who walk up brightly. is so just knowing that, um, that the Lord will protect you and that, you know, college, I definitely have gotten some gnomes for things, which always hurts because rejection is never fun, but knowing that if it was good for me, I would have gotten it. So just waiting for the next good thing.
0: Well, those are all really good points of encouragement, Shelby. And I want to switch gears a little bit and have an honest conversation about mental health. Because Gen Z, we know, you know, struggles with mental health. And people often ask me, as a pediatric nurse practitioner, is the mental health crisis as bad as people say it is? And my answer is always, no, it's not. It's worse. It's worse than you can imagine. And you're living this. And so talk about, from your perspective, what do you see your peer group struggling with? And why do you think that it's so bad and it's so hard?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard. And it's hard because your parents aren't there. And so if you're struggling, you can't really go to them the same way you could in person. If your friend is struggling, you can't really go to your parents and make like, what do I do to help them? Um, it's hard. And it definitely it impacts day-to-day life. Um, and so I think just, you know, I, went, I go through periods of my mental health Um, like I think most of my peers do. And so just calling my mom and just having a check on me, and she reminds me of things like, are you eating today? Like, (laughs) did you go to class? And celebrating those things as victories um, is really important. And um, just remembering to take care of yourself on a physical level as well as a mental level is good. And just being honest, because I know that mental health sometimes affects how you act and how you treat people. And Honestly, just your tolerance for talking to people and your capacity to study, it just affects so many parts of your life. So I think being really honest and transparent with as many people as you can at a healthy relational level, just telling your mom, like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry if I spoke short on the phone today. Like, I'm just feeling really anxious. Or even with your professors, you know, sometimes just building a relationship with them, like, I'm so sorry for this assignment. It's okay to be honest with them um, and just share where you are because they do care about you and they care about how you're doing as a person as well as a student. Um, but just admitting where it's hard and where you're struggling and finding the resources you need because you're not alone. It's so easy to feel like you are. And it's really easy just to just sit in your car sometimes and be like, I cannot get out of the car today. I can't go to class or I can't do these things. Um, but just admitting that and um, finding others who will come alongside you and um, help you and I don't know. This semester, I definitely would not have been able to get through without my roommates and my friends and my community. And just, it's really um encouraging just to see how, you know, your parents aren't there, but your peers know that. And so they'll step in and kind of give you a shoulder to, to cry on and everything. But
0: So how do you get to at the point in that friendship where you can just, where it's okay to say that you're not okay?
1: Yeah, that's hard. It's hard. It it's very vulnerable and I don't like doing it. So sometimes I don't and I stuff my feelings (laughs) down, but I've realized that that causes more harm to myself and to others than it does just being honest with them. Um, And so I think just, I don't know. I love how um, my church in Waco is like community is always forged, not found. And so you can't just expect these friendships to happen. And um, you have to be intentional in pursuing people and asking them to get coffee, even when it's uncomfortable or just sharing things with them um, again, at a healthy level with, boundaries um, that just continue to build that authenticity and that support. And then also being them there for them as they would be there for you.
0: So what role do you think that social media is playing in all of this? How oh, do you I, see that impacting your daily life and mental health struggles that you're seeing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm speaking from a girl's perspective, but I think that social media is really draining on people's mental health for you know, everyone, just especially from a standpoints of comparison, it's so easy just to scroll people and see people you don't know, see people you do know. And you're like, okay, why don't I have any nice friends with them? Why don't I look like her? Why don't? Um, and I think just the fast pace of it, of social media, just being able to scroll through videos, it just, it, I think, I don't know, at least in my personal experience, it does lead to anxiety just because everything is so quick and you don't even have time to process what's making you insecure before you move on to the next thing that's making you insecure. Um, And so I think during the school year, I definitely have to take a step back sometimes and you know what, I'm going to delete it this week and it'll be okay. I'm not missing out on that much. Um, But yeah, I think social media is a great tool. I mean, I'm a journalism major, so I'm supposed (laughs) to like it, but it definitely can make our minds a very dangerous place to be sometimes.
0: Because what do you see with FOMO? I mean, tell everybody what (laughs) is FOMO and is that real?
1: Yes, FOMO is a real term. <laughs> Quite old. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's just fear. Oh, no. Sorry, sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Um, it's true. It's true. No, you're so, uh, it's just like the fear of missing out, and that's a very real thing. I think whether you see people gathering for someone's birthday brunch or even with um, the culture of going out sometimes, even if you don't particularly want to do that, you still have FOMO because you're like, okay, well, am I missing out on something? Am I supposed to be going out? Um, but, yeah, I think just, again, finding those friends who you know are genuine and you know that if you don't want to go out then you guys can watch you know a movie together or um just knowing that you don't have to be everything that is totally okay because um, I think kind of reminding myself of high school it's like I cared so much about what people thought about me and after graduation I haven't seen them since and so I think college you know it is where I found my closest friends but at the same time reminding myself what my high school self-learned that a lot of people <laughs> I'm trying so hard to impress I'm not going to see after we graduate So and still love them well, but don't let them dictate, you know, who you are and everything.
0: So what are some practical tips that you would share with college students who are about to go off to college, specifically about social media? Because Mm -hmm. that can impact so many different things, your body image, your social perception, just so many things. What are some practical tips that you have found that are helpful for you in managing that in a healthy way?
1: these practical tips are hard. <laughs> They're much harder to answer. But uh, I think just knowing yourself and being honest with yourself and finding someone who will be honest with you is really helpful because, you know, I can lie to myself all day and be like, oh, social media is not affecting me. It's okay. I can keep it. But then knowing the times that, you know what, social media, like it actually is not only affecting my mental health, but also my study habits, you know, at the beginning of um sophomore year, I had to delete TikTok because I was just spending so much time watching these silly videos. And so I literally had my roommate sit with me and I was like, please delete this app for me. And I haven't gone back. And, um, you know, and I say that my quality of life is the same, if not improved. Um, but yeah, just don't really know yourself. And um, if there's like something, if you're following an account that's, you know, stressful or bothering to you, it's okay to unfollow it. You know, it's... When I think we've come across like these online rules where we follow people we don't even know, it's normal. And then we unfollow people we don't know, and we're like, oh, well, what if that's rude? It's okay, you know? <laughs> just knowing yourself. Um And personally, like I want to go to my Instagram because I know now you can... I'm going to forget what it's called, and I'm going to sound old. Um, but Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to
0: love yeah. that.
1: <laughs> no, my favorite is called, but you can do this new thing where you filter your feed to only see posts from the people that you want to. And so I think, you know, just kind of narrowing your circle and be like, okay, this is who I'm going to look at. This is what time I have. Um, This is what mental capacity I have. It's okay. Online etiquette rules are not even real etiquette rules, in my opinion. And so just, again, know yourself and do what's necessary for you.
0: And know your own boundaries. That's, (laughs) That's really, really helpful advice, Shelby. I am so appreciative today of you sharing these things so candidly, because I think it is such a hard but good Season, you know, where you're really growing so much, but you're also learning a lot of lessons. And thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your journey with us today. We have come to where I'm going to ask you the last question. If you could give parents out there one word of hope for healthy relationships, and especially during this college transition phase, what would it be?
1: I'd say that college is. Like every other point of parenting, I mean, I've never been a parent, so I don't really know, (laughs) but I think um, just because like you guys are the ones that taught us to walk, you taught us how to talk and write and read. And so it's kind of like that. Those are all gradual processes and college is the same way. You can't expect us just to learn to figure it out within the first week because we're not, and um, that's not an excuse for imperfection. But also at the same time, just take patience. I don't know how, you know, I don't know what other things you taught us that you got frustrated with how long it took us to learn, like, you know, riding a bike, but it's kind of like that where you just have to give grace and um, still be there and be instructive and, you know, insert opinions when you need to, but also give us the grace to fall a few times because it probably will happen, but we'll get back up again and figure it out.
0: I think that's really, really helpful. And, and if you've been listening to my podcast, you hear me talk about that all the time. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned as a parent is not to parent for the instant, recognizing that planting and harvesting don't happen in the same season, that our kids aren't chia pets and we can't grow instantly. It's like a pineapple. We're going to water it. Even when we don't see that fruit, we have confidence to know that fruit is coming. Well, Shelby, I know I told you that was the last question, but just one more last, last question, a post post script, if you will. Uh, Your really life mantra is choose joy. That's your phrase. That's what you say all the time. Can you just give us a a parting send-off with what that phrase means to you and how that has impacted your life.
1: I mean, it's not what it means to me. It's what it means to the Lord and what He's shown me. Um, but yeah, I guess it all goes back to James 1, just can it joy when you face trials of various kinds, because you will face trials, especially if you're going out to college, but you'll also experience a lot of joy and a lot of bounty in those um, seasons of trials. So. Just know that everything, this sounds so cliche and sometimes I hate when I tell myself this, um, (laughs) but everything will work out. And again, um, if you don't get something, then it means it wasn't good for you. So just wait for the next best thing.
0: It's so true. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And you're right. That's such a great send-off. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us here on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. What a treat
1: for me. Thank you for having me.
0: Now it's time for Conversation Keys, where we explore health impacts and home strategies. It really was such a treat to be able to talk to Shelby. And my goodness, if I could tell you all of the stories of all of the things that we've learned along the way, it hasn't been easy. I was not equipped to be a mom. Even as a pediatric nurse practitioner, I felt like a secret failure because here I am with my daughter fighting all of the time. But I knew when she turned 13 and she threw that book at my head, I was going to need a new mindset and a new skill set going forward. And God has been gracious to give me both. And as we learn together, she gives grace, I give grace. We have challenges, we have setbacks. But we have a healthy relationship. And I think one of the important things to remember is that healthy relationships are not perfect. There will be conflict. There will be disagreement. There will be hurt feelings. There will be challenges that you have to navigate together. But if you can do that, and if you can push through, the reward is so worth the pursuit. So I encourage you, if you are in a season of struggle, just remember, you can't lecture your way to leverage behavioral change or argue your way into right relationship. You have to listen your way there. Listening is the First step that you can take in building your relationship. I know as parents, we often think, oh, I've got to tell you this and I've got to tell you that and I've got to teach you this and that. And we're aware of that time running out as our teens are growing and nearing that college transition. But if we can just listen, We can see where they're most receptive and meet them where they are, understanding their perspective and building a relational bridge. So, now's the time I'm going to remind you of the Love Your Teen model that I created for you in Behind Closed Doors, a guide for parents and teens to navigate through life's toughest issues. Remember the first step is listen with your face. In these times when days seem short and you're worried about that transition moving ahead or them growing up or not being around you as much listen as much as you can with your full face put down whatever you're doing pull over into a parking lot if you're driving just stop cooking do whatever it is you need to do and say this sounds important i want to make sure you have my full attention then oh offer open-ended questions make the first words out of your mouth not a lecture but curiosity. Give generous listening. Ask, how does that make you feel? How are you dealing with all of this? How in the world are you going to navigate this? That sounds like a really tough problem. Then V, validate their feelings. I can see you're worried about this. I can see this has you upset. I can see you're really excited about what's to come. Being seen, fully known, fully loved, Fully heard is one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids. And then that fourth step, remember, is E, explore next steps together. So as you're navigating this challenging time to transition to college, as you're talking about roommates or class choices or boundaries that they'll have around behaviors or choices in the future, listen with your face, offer questions, validate their emotions around that experience. And then, after you've built a relational bridge, explore those next steps together. Here's your conversation key Ask your kiddo, if you're brave, on a scale of one to 10, with one being terrible and 10 being terrific, how would you rate our relationship? Ooh, that's a tough one to ask, and you have to commit to not being defensive and really seeing what their perspective is. Now, I'll tell you, this is a technique I use a lot with my son, who is a man of few words. But he'll tell me quickly, oh, we're a seven, and I think, oh, okay, I may need to spend a little extra time with you. Or if he says we're a 10, I think, all right, we're good. If I'm a two, I know I need to find a time where he is receptive and we have some time to talk some things through. Most of all, before we leave... I don't want to let you go without reminding you how important prayer is in this stage. Pray for your teen, diligently, intentionally, regularly, and often. Keep a prayer journal of those prayers that you pray and the prayers that are answered to remind you in a season of struggle of the ways that God has been faithful. Try it out and let me know how it goes. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at DrNurseMama. We'll see you here next week on American Family Radio.